0: This is Susanna Hills podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your hearts and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Really, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, thanks, Gareth and the Eldership team for opening the door for us, giving us the opportunity not just to be here, to be part of the equip, but also to minister here this morning. So thank you guys very, very much. And so, yeah, I, I do believe God's given me a word. Um, I trust it will be a word that will encourage, but also inspire, that will be able to build strength within you, that will enable you to go into the next season that God has for you, be that personally or as a local church, or and as a local church. And so the title of my message this morning is simply this, that when the foundations of your life are being shaken, what is your response to that? You know, when life throws a few curveballs at you, when challenges come, trouble maybe comes knocking on your door, difficulties, disappointment, um, pain, whatever it might be, how is it that God would want us to respond to those things? And so I don't need to tell you that we certainly are living in uncertain times. eh? More than uncertain, I want to say unprecedented, unparalleled times. You know, there are social and there are economic factors that are weighing heavily on this nation, on our nation, and can I say the nations of the world? You just got to put the TV on, watch the news, and man, you leave there discouraged. You leave there depressed as you realize all the different challenges that are facing us. You look at the war in Ukraine. You look at the economy of of so many nations, the inflation. We, having, we have a cost-of-living crisis happening in New Zealand at this very time. Interest rates have skyrocketed. Uh, inflation, the effects of COVID, job opportunities, and so the list can go on and on. And all of it pointing to economists predicting a global recession. Now, I know I'm here to encourage you, but it's equally good for us to see just some of the realities of what we're facing. And what people who don't know Jesus are facing. And some of the turmoil that they're going through as they try and navigate their way forward. And try and find hope in such a hopeless situation. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. That in Christ there is hope. That in His kingdom there is a future. And we read these words in Psalm 11 and verse 3. And they were penned by David. And he says, When the foundations are being shaken, some translations say, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I think that's a very important question, because as I I said, there is some shaking that is taking place, but what is our response as the righteous, as those who know God, those who are called by Him, what is our response to these shakings? Well, you know what? We can learn some things from two heroes of the faith, eh? two incredible biblical characters in the form of David and Elijah, and if you know their stories and if you look at their lives, you'll see that they experienced some severe setbacks, struggles, shakings that took place, and so let's start with David as we just To have a cursory look at his life. David knew disappointments. He knew difficulties. He had doubts. He went through discouragement. Things that ultimately affected his soul. But listen to how he speaks to his soul in Psalm 42 and verse 5 and 6. When he says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And let me pause there and ask, when last did you speak to your soul? That you had an honest conversation with your soul of where you're at, what you're going through. To be able to be honest with yourself. This is what David did. And then he, in a sense, he answers or responds to his soul by saying, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember Him. And so we see that three things that David did. And can I say three things that I believe we call to do when our souls are downcast, when they're discouraged, when we're facing obstacles, when we can't see light at the end of the tunnel. And so the first thing we see here that David did, he said, put your hope in God. And so I want to say in whatever you're facing, don't focus on the outward circumstances or on the pain or the disappointment of what you're going through. No, focus on God. Put your trust in Him. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, when he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And I want to say to you, be intentional intentional about looking to Jesus, about trusting in Jesus. And you know what? We can put our hope in Him. We can focus on Jesus. Why? Because He does not disappoint. He is not fickle. He is not unreliable. He's not forever changing. No, He remains faithful, and He remains committed to you, to his word, and to every one of his promises. Yes, his promises to you, but also his logos promises that we find in his word, because every one of them is yes and true and amen in Christ. eh? And so where everything else might be falling around about us, he remains steadfast, and he remains true. And you know what? That's why we can put our hope in him as David did. In Isaiah chapter 40, we read these verses, verse 28 through to 31, and it's God speaking, and he says, or or, uh, um, Isaiah speaking on behalf of God, and he says, do you not know, have you not heard, and in case you haven't, he's saying, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He gives strength to the downcast soul, and He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall from weariness, from the shakings of life. But those who hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, Those who look expectantly to the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's God's desire for every one of us. And you know what? We can live in the wonder and the truth of that. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24 and 25, Uh, Jeremiah says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who hope in Him, to the one who seeks Him. In other words, to the one who acknowledges their need for Him, the one who relies on Him, the one who looks expectantly to Him. He is the one who fulfills us. And gives us everything we need. eh? And so when our souls are downcast, we need to be deliberate in putting our hope in God. Because it's only God who satisfies our souls. It's only Him who can strengthen our spirits. Not your spouse. Not a friend. Not your job. Not the things of this world. It's only God. There's an amazing story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'll try and be as brief with the, with the, with the, con- the content of, of, of that story, is, but David and his army are out on a military campaign, and they come back to the city of Ziklag to find that the Amalekites had raided the city and had taken all the wives and children captive. And you can, can you imagine the scenario? Can you imagine as a f- husband, as a father? Coming back into your city to find your your wife and your children have gone. You don't know if they're alive. You don't know if they're dead. But all you know is the Amalekites came, burnt the city, and took took the wives and the children. And then we read this amazing verse in verse 6. And it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But... David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David put his hope in God. And if you keep reading the story, you see an amazing uh, end to the story. As God gives them the go-ahead to go and pursue them, which they do, and they get the wives and the children back. But on the other side, can I also say that when when our hope in God gets deferred, or forgotten, or sidelined, you know, that's when our hearts become sick, as Proverbs 13 verse 12 tells us. And so the first thing we see that David did when he was going through tough times, when he had to address his own soul that was so downcast with the weight of all that he was facing, he put his hope in God. The second thing we see is that when our, our souls are downcast, We need to praise Him, and we need to choose to praise Him. And this is what David says, yet will I praise Him, irrespective of how I'm feeling, or of what I'm going through, or what's going on around me, I choose to praise Him. We see the same in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, where Paul challenges us to rejoice always. And you know what, not just in the good times, not just when we're feeling upbeat, or buoyant or, any, or happy, but no, to praise him and to rejoice in all circumstances and in all dispositions. In fact, he says the same to the Philippians in Philippians 4 4, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again in case you didn't get it. He says, Rejoice. But you say, Is that even possible? It's easy for you to say that, Mark, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the challenges. You don't know the difficulties. You don't know what my finances look like. You don't know the pressure I'm I'm under at work or the job security that isn't there anymore. You don't know. And the truth is I don't know. But God knows. And God's given us some wonderful examples in Scripture of people who went through similar or even worse things that you and and I will ever go through. And we can draw comfort and encouragement from these. And one of them was the prophet Habakkuk. And this is what he says in in chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, when he says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and even though there are no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, And though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls. And let me say, we are talking serious loss here. Far worse than any inflation or any recession. But this is his response. In spite of all of that, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And that's why I want to say to praise God is an act of the will. Whether we feel like it or not, we choose to do it. And yet with it comes wonderful results, powerful results. You know the story in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas in prison. They end up in prison through the gospel, doing what God had called them to do. And then in verse 25, we read these words, about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Isn't that amazing? I'm not sure if I would be that willing to be singing hymns and praising God in jail. Now, I hope I would be, but here again, we just see just such an example of even in jail, this is what they were doing. And then we see the result of them praising. A suddenly occurs. And it goes on and it says, suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. What does that tell us? It tells us that praise brings about breakthroughs. Praise breaks the chains of despair, of discouragement, and whatever else we may be facing. And you know what? That's why we're urged to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Isaiah 61 verse verse 3. But notice, we put it on. We initiate praise. Why? Because it doesn't always come naturally to us. eh? Let me tell you, there are times when the last thing I want to do is praise God. But I know it's the very best thing I can do, is to praise Him. Sometimes we have to praise in cold blood. We went through a building uh, program a number of years back when we were leading a church in Belita. You heard of Belita, just north of Durban, a wonderful holiday place. You might want to go on holiday to Belita next time, and not Clark's Store. But no, no, I'm just joking. This is a great place to have a holiday. Um, but we were in a building project, and, um, and we were in this, and eventually we got to the point where the roof was placed on our auditorium. And of course, with it came much rejoicing and celebration because at least now we felt like things were starting to happen. But after a couple of weeks, we began to notice that the roof began to sag or was sagging. And we were like, wow, what is going on? And so we called in um, the, the, the project manager overseeing our Our our, our project, the building, and he looked and he said, no, this is the roofing contract. They've done something wrong, the roofing contractor. Called the roofing contractor in. He looked and he said, nope, I've done it exactly as the engineer said, so it's the engineer's fault. Called the engineer in, and the engineer said, nope, I've done it exactly as the architect said. And so we called the architect in, and the architect said, no, I've designed it properly. It's the roofing contractor. And so it went round and round in circles. And all the while, we couldn't move in because it could have been a, a hazard. That thing could have collapsed. And I remember we were praying with everything we had. We had prayer meetings. We were praying, God, you've got a breakthrough. And no doubt God was hearing those prayers. But one day as I was got before God and praying, I was saying, Lord, what's going on here? Why are we not seeing breakthrough? And I felt God speak to me through two passages of Scripture. And the one was in Psalm verse, uh, Psalm chapter 8, verse 2 where it says, through the praises of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And the other one was Psalm 149, verse 6, where it says, may the praise or the high praises of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance against the enemies. And I knew there and then that this was a work of the enemy, to frustrate, to distract us, to block what God was wanting to do. And so I called the church together, and I said, we are going to have a praise party. We're going to do what this scripture says, and we're going to take authority over the works of the enemy and what the enemy is wanting to frustrate, but we're going to do it through praise. And so we set a, a, a time It was a Wednesday evening, our normal prayer meeting, and we got our worship team and we put our speakers out. Now, you've got to remember, we're in this with the roof sagging, no windows, no doors, neighbors all around us, and we cranked the volume up on our praise. And that night, we praised like we have never praised before. I want to tell you, we were... But bit like David, eh, when, he, the, the, when the ark was brought into Jerusalem, except we didn't praise in our ephods or underwear, but we praised with all of our might, and we gave ourselves fully to praising God in the midst of what we were facing. So much so that we had one of our neighbors come in with, on his dressing gown, wondering what was going on, and can we tone it down? Which I guess we could have been a little more sensitive to it. But here's the, here's the effect or the result of us praising together. Within I think it was a week, we had the architect, the builder, the roofing contractor, the engineer all together around a table and every one of them took responsibility for the problem. And not only did they take responsibility, but they did whatever needed to be done, design, changes, roof trusses, of the work, and they carried most of the costs that they uh, were able to, to, to cover through this thing. The only thing we had to do is get a whole extra roof, roof trusses in one point. And again, God just supplied miraculously for that. So why am I telling you the story? For the simple reason is yet will we praise Him no matter what we're going through. And God honors praise. <laughs> praise truly brings breakthroughs, eh? The third thing we see is that David said that when my soul is downcast I remember him. I remind myself of who he is, of his greatness, his faithfulness, of his protection, of his provision, of his blessing. I remind myself. And we see that throughout scripture, In Psalm 77:11. David says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes. I will remember your miracles of long ago. Because if God has done it for me then, you know what? He'll do it for me now. If he has kept me up to now, then he will keep me into the future. Why? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He is constant and he is committed to us, his people. Now, you know Jonah, and again, I'm sure you know the story of Jonah, Jonah in the, in the, in the belly of a whale, but Jonah was in a dark place, <laughs> both literally in the whale, but also figuratively. And in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7, he says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And you know what, it's in remembering Him and in all that He's done for us that prayer and praise begins to rise again. And rather than our souls being downcast, they begin to beat again with a renewed fervor and thirst for the living God. The writer of the Hebrews or to the Hebrews tells us to consider Him, to remember to think about Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you will not live in the place of discouragement and despair. Hebrews 12 verse 3. Uh, yeah, verse 3. And that's why I want to say it's so helpful to keep a journal, a journal of the things that God has said and done. Why? So that you can remind yourself, of His faithfulness, and of His love, and of His commitment to you. It's also why testimonies are so important and so powerful. Why? Because they get us to remember, to remind ourselves and others of what God has done. And it's so helpful, yes, to write those things down so you can look back in time, but then also to use forums like here or life groups or whatever to be able to share Some of the stories, the God stories of what God is doing and done. Because not only is it a testimony of what God's doing in you, but it's an encouragement to everyone else that God is able. God is committed. And so when there are some dark days of the soul, and i say if, not when. Sorry, i say when and not if, when there are some dark days of the soul. Because Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have some dark days. You're going to have some trouble. But in those times, David David shows us three responses that will allow our souls to be buoyant rather than to be downcast. Put your hope in God. Keep your hope in God. Keep looking to Him. Keep running towards Him. Secondly, praise Him and keep praising Him in spite of the circumstances. And then thirdly, remember Him. Remember his ways, his nature, and his character, who he is, and how committed he is to you and I. But then there's also another hero of the faith who equally experienced discouragement and and in some occasions some deep despair, and that was Elijah. Although in some respects he brought some of that upon himself, eh? as we'll see in the story I'm about to read. And so it's in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to read the first nine verses. You're welcome to turn there. But again, let me give some context here. Because if you go back one chapter in 1 Kings 18, which probably, I'm not, I don't know if you're allowed to have a favorite passage or chapter in the Bible, but I've got to say this is probably one of mine, 1 Kings 18, because you see this incredible story and this victory that takes place in that chapter Elijah on Mount Carmel, remember when he challenges the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, the 400 uh, prophets of Asherah, and he, he, he says to the nation of Israel, let's see who's the true God here. Yeah. And we all know, I think we know the story of how they, they build this altar, and he's saying, okay, prophets of Baal, let your God set this altar on fire. And they go the whole day beating themselves, slashing themselves, cutting themselves, Calling out to God, and and Elijah's mocking them. Maybe your God's sleeping, maybe he's on the toilet, whatever it is, but nothing's happening right throughout the whole day. And then Elijah says, Okay, it's it's now turn for my God to show that he's the true God. But rather than just light this this sacrifice, let's pour water all over it, not just once, not just twice, three times. And then, of course, he calls on God, and God lights. The sacrifice, the offering, supernatural. And the result is that the Israelites, under Elijah's command, slaughter all the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asherah. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if I was Elijah, man, I would be on a high. Eh? Man, I would be just living in, this, in, in the in the glory of everything that God had done. And that's chapter 18. We turn the page and we get to chapter 19. And this is how verse 1 opens. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Amazing, eh? Just got rid of 950 false prophets, one lady, and he's running for his life. And when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And so what are some of the stories, uh, sorry, what are some of the, the uh, lessons that come out of the story? Well, let me tell you, there's a preach in each of these lessons, but I just wanna give the, the highlight of the lessons. And so I've got seven of them. And the first one is this, that if you're not careful Fear can quickly replace faith. His fear of Jezebel overwhelmed him and even overtook his faith in God. And so after everything that God had done in him and with him and through him, we see him now running for his life. He forgets God. He allows fear to grip him, and he, and he, and he forgets to put his trust in God. I want to say that's the first thing. Fear can quickly replace faith if we're not careful, as we see in Elijah's life. Secondly, his fear and his discouragement caused him to run. And not just run from Jezebel, but to run from the call of God and for what God had for him. And that's what fear and discouragement does. It gets us on the back foot and rather than advancing in the things of God, we retreat. We shy away from those things. Rather than pressing into God, we withdraw from God. Much like what Adam and Eve did when they messed up in the garden. The third thing we see here is that he isolated himself. And it tells us that when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And I want to say to you, it's very difficult To face challenges, to fight discouragement on your own. The truth is we need others around us. Because no person is an island. And don't try and go it alone. Don't try and work it out on your own. No, lean into others. Because a burden shared is a burden halved. The fourth thing we see is that he got into self-pity. He says, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, you know, the one thing I've come to realize is that self-pity and discouragement go hand in hand. Eh? And if we're going to break out of discouragement, and if we're going to break through the setbacks that come against us, well, you know what? We need to deal ruthlessly with self-pity. Ruthlessly. Ruthlessly. The fifth thing we see is, is that food and rest were what Elijah needed more than anything else. You know, sometimes we want to be so spiritual that we actually neglect and forget some of the basic needs in life. And so before God could get Elijah back on track and back onto the mission that he had called him to, he needed Elijah to eat and to sleep, that's why I say sometimes the best thing that we can do when we're feeling dejected, deflated, discouraged, is to have a good feed and a good sleep. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you know what, you're gonna burn out. And it won't be long before you fall into despair, into discouragement, or even worse. Eh? And then the sixth thing, I said seven, sorry, it's six. To his credit, Elijah got back on the horse. He picked himself up, dusted himself off, and got back onto God's page and onto God's agenda. He didn't allow failure. He didn't allow guilt, condemnation to disqualify him from his call or from the prize that God had for him. And yes, he may have been knocked down, but he wasn't knocked out. And at the end of the day, he wasn't going to miss out on God's call or the inheritance that, wait, that awaited him. Now, the truth is none of us are immune to shakings, eh? to setbacks, and to, some dark, and to some dark days of the soul. But it's never God's intention for us to stay there or just to accept those things or somehow to learn to cope or live with them or just to try and survive. No, he's given us some keys, keys from his word that will allow us to break the chains of despair and of discouragement. And so when the foundations of your life and of your world are being shaken, what can you as the righteous do? Well, here they are again. Keep your hope in God and in God alone. Choose to praise Him, no matter what, no matter how tough it is, no matter how dark it gets. Choose to praise Him. Remember all that He's done for you, and just how good He's been to you, even as we sang about this morning. Learn to feed your faith, not your fears. eh? Run to God. Don't run from God. Don't isolate yourself. Why? Because you've become easy prey for the enemy. Fight self-pity. Because it is like a cancer that eats within you. Eats away at you. Rest adequately and eat healthily. Why? So that you can continue on the journey. And lastly, keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. No matter how bad you've messed up, Or how many detours you've taken. Keep on keeping on in God. I want to close with Proverbs 17 verse 22. And it says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And I want to say to you this morning, if you have a a crushed spirit, if you have a discouraged heart, be it because of setbacks, shakings, disappointments, or whatever else it may be. God wants to minister to you this morning. And not only does He want to minister to you, but He wants you to remember these things that you've heard this morning and be able to put them into practice. Because sometimes the way God works, yes, He can do some things sovereignly, supernaturally, immediately, But other times he does it sovereignly and supernaturally when we actually apply some things to our lives and give ourselves to some principles and some disciplines. And so when the foundations are being shaken, or as Psalm 75 verse 3 says, when the earth and all its people quake, it is I, God speaking, who hold its pillars firm. Whatever the shaking may be, know that God holds the pillars of your life firmly in His hands. He is in control. And because of that, He's our hope. And He's our future as we progress in all that God has for us. So I want to ask the musos, is that okay, Gareth? The musos, if you guys want to come up. Because I felt as much as God would want us to take these practical principles away, apply them to our lives, I felt like God also wants to minister to some people here this morning. So I want to ask you to stand, please. And as you stand, if your soul is downcast this morning, if you're feeling like the burden of this world and of life and of the challenges is on you, what Charlotte shared this morning, just being bent over by the weight of, of so many pressures and challenges and difficulties on you. I want to ask you to come to the front this morning because I'd love to spend some time If we can have some of the elders and leaders up just to be able to minister to you, just to release something of God's grace, of His favor, of His blessing, and of His life over you this morning. And that we want to believe together in faith For God to do something sovereign and supernatural in your life. For the chains that may be holding you down to be broken over you this morning. For the things that are truly just causing you to be distracted. That you'd be released of those things this morning. And that today you would know victory in Christ. Today there would be breakthrough. I'm believing that today you will leave here different. Your circumstances may not have changed yet, but you'll leave here different because you know God's on you, God's with you, God's for you, God's committed to you. That even though you may still walk through the fire, and even though you may be overwhelmed by the waters, you would be able to know that God is with you in it and He will bring you through it. That He would give a wonderful promise to you this morning. That he will not allow you to be tested or tempted beyond your ability to endure. But his promise is always that he will provide a way out for you. And we want to believe with you this morning that God would do that. So Musos, if you could maybe just lead us. I'm going to ask some of the elders, leaders, let's just gather around these folk. Let's spend a few moments just praying and ministering to them. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.